It's time for episode 238 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM. Recorded Wednesday, April 25th, 2018. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast that's like sand through the hourglass. I'm your co-host, Dan Morin, and I am joined across the internet by my co-host, Mr. Micah Sargent. Hi, Micah. How are you doing today? I'm doing well with these days of my life. Ah, yes. Good. I'm glad somebody <laughs> picked up that terrible, terrible reference I was putting down. <laughs> reference acknowledged. Thank you. Thank you. This is, of course, the tech show where we bring on two wonderful guests to talk about technology topics. To my left, uh, the host of many fantastic podcasts including uh turning this car around uh the rebound and of course the speedy Aerocast. it's mr john moltz hi john how you doing hi hi i'm just back from the general hospital i, don't know, I just wanted to i just wanted to play along and that was all i could think thank of you. no that was great that was great i love it i love it uh and to my left is writer at mobile nations and imore and the better half of the lucid podcast it's tori folk hi tori hi i'm so happy to be here all right. Well, I'm going to kick things off, and uh, that's about. I'm going to ask about your hobbies and pastimes in the technology department. Uh, this came to my mind as I was mucking around in my Linux server. Why do I do this to myself? I wondered. Oh, because I kind of like the challenge of storing of installing arcane software packages on the server. I don't know why. I've always been fascinated by it. I was a a sysadmin person for a little while, like a, like a brief hot second there and i just uh, i like mucking around with it and i break stuff all the time and i have no idea what i'm doing about half the time but it's one of those things that i will just start doing and i will zone out and i will look up and i'll be like oh my god it's like three hours have gone by while i'm trying to configure this stupid command line tool and googling all these crazy things and asking people in different slacks what i'm doing wrong uh and i just it's it's a weird hobby that i just get super into so i was curious to know if you have a tech hobby or pastime that you kind of get obsessed with in that way john dan i feel like this is a leading question for me. <laughs> like, I, th- I, feel, I feel targeted by this question i think i'm sorry i'm sorry it's, it's not personal <laughs> um because i feel there are, there are a few ways i could go here one of them is just is simply like i like browsing for old computers mm. and like i and i have a number of as you know i have yeah, a number of old computers in the house and um, I was noticing the other day that I'm I'm missing like like the LC era. <laughs> Thinking, oh, I should get an LC. Like, no, no, you should not get an LC. Do not do that. So my my actual answer though is is probably going to be um, playing old uh, old Mac games. And um, I have gone through a number of them and played them many times. And I do space it out a, a bit over the years. But uh, I recently just finished playing through uh, all of. The, well, the first two versions of Myth, mm-hmm. uh, which is probably my favorite game ever. And um, I had to play one of them on an, on an old power book because it hasn't been updated. But but actually, the second version, you can actually run on High Sierra, which I think is absolutely, you know, bananas. But uh, so I play that. Uh, I play Call of Duty. I play the original Halo on the Mac, and um, and Castle Wolfenstein. Mm. So I yeah I go back and and I peruse my old discs and think oh boy that was a fun game and I pull those out and I just happen to keep enough hardware around the house that I can make it possible to to keep playing that stuff. That is my that is my illness. 
uh, I, I am never not tweaking my smart home. Um, so I feel a little bit personally attacked by this question. Everybody feels <laughs> um, personally attacked today. <laughs> I, I just actually got to install a smart garage door opener, and it is the coolest thing in the world. I, I'm so happy uh, to, to have that installed. I can not like it is for people who have any sort of anxieties at all it is the nicest thing to be able to be away from home and like i bet that garage door is open isn't it and i can just look down at my phone and it's like no 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 it's cool bruh your 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 garage door is not open right now everything's fine um but on top of that i have a bunch of i mean i basically walk through my house like a a maestro uh waving my baton and like magically turning on the lights and and sounds and everything in the house and the dogs are just like what is going on but uh it is certainly a hobby and i am certainly obsessed with uh smart home stuff what about you tori um, I would say my weirdest tech related hobby is uh I really like like uh trolling Twitter for <laughs> interesting bots. Um I have happened upon a bunch of really great ones like L System Bot and Color Automaton that just generates random color names that don't make any sense. Um and there have been times where I've just spent hours like trying to find these weird bots that tweet Things that are interesting to me, a lot of the times they don't make any sense. Um, I had coded my own Twitter bot uh, a little while ago as well. Um, And I know Micah has a Twitter bot that I find very entertaining. Um, So yeah, a lot of the time I'll just fall into this hole where I'm I'm like, I look at the clock and I'm like, oh, great. Okay, I've spent like three hours on Twitter just reading through all of these nonsensical bot tweets. A bot hole, if you will. (laughs) Oh, God. I wasn't going to go there. I wasn't oh. sure what sort, of, which sort of show this was, but yeah. I guess now you know. It's, it's that kind it's of show. It's that kind of show. It's my favorite kind of show. <laughs> well, uh, those sound uh, all like good hobbies and probably better than immersing yourself in the vagaries of Ubuntu 14.04 or whatever the hell I'm running. I don't even know. But you can't even know what version you're running. That's, that's the trouble you get into. Uh, well, thanks for sharing them with us uh, and with all of our listeners. I'm sure that they are they're delighted in finding new hobbies of their own as we speak. Let's go to our second topic, which comes from John. Uh, I'm going to paraphrase Obi-Wan Kenobi. I, I've taken the, f- the first step into a much larger and possibly stupider world <laughs> because <laughs> I have ordered a clicky keyboard. Oh. And to date, I have made do with usually just like whatever. I mean, I, I mostly use laptops, um, but I have a I have a few wireless keyboards lying around and a few like usb keyboards still and every once in a while i plug one of those in and recently i mean usually i was used to use the apple magic keyboard and for some reason it decided not to connect anymore and there's a way to fix it but it seemed like a lot of trouble and buying a new keyboard seemed a lot easier (laughs) and jason snell and john gruber had this started this conversation on twitter about uh keyboards because jason had posted a picture of his setup in his kitchen and uh, john was interested in what the keyboard was and it's the matthias tactile pro mini um, so i ordered one of these and it comes tomorrow and i'm pretty excited about it and also a little fearful because i'm concerned that i may be just tumbling down a hill of um i mean i think jason has quite a few clicky keyboards and i um i'm afraid that i'm becoming a clicky keyboard person so i was wondering what keyboards you guys use you guys and ladies and women <laughs> um what if any you have that are um 
non-standard, I guess, or if you just use whatever comes in the package. <sighs> I'm going to get tweets for this, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. Um, my favorite keyboard. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, it's it's the smart keyboard for the iPad. Yes, it is the keyboard that is literally built into the the uh, front cover of the iPad. Uh, if you you know, you buy that extra accessory, it, uh, it's sort of this weird ablated fabric texture. Uh, but the way that it feels like, I don't know, like your fingers are chewing on chiclets underneath your hands <laughs> is just very pleasant and the sound that it makes is nice what are you, and i hp lovecraft i am hp lovecraft today i am um and i love how I, it just it feels so there's just so much flow that happens because i don't like a lot of travel and i don't like a whole lot of noise but the little bit of noise that it does make and the way that i can just sort of bounce over the keys with my fingers uh it's it's very very nice and I don't care that you don't like the smart keyboard. You don't need to let me know that. <laughs> you will get added. I will get added regardless. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Tori, what about you? Um, I generally, I'm, I'm going to have the most boring answer. Um, I have, I just use whatever keyboard comes with the device uh, that I've purchased. So if I get, for instance, I'll just use my MacBook keyboard or the keyboard that came with my Mac desktop computer. Um, I am really fascinated, though, by this idea of ultra clicky keyboards because those are my absolute favorite. I feel like I, I've i been alerted to their existence and now I'm sort of like contemplating whether or not I should uh, dive into this life, this clicky keyboard life, because um, <laughs> I love the tactile sensation and the sound of having an insanely clicky keyboard. I just think about like being a kid in elementary school and like really pressing down on those keys mm -hmm. and having that satisfying noise come with it. So that would be my answer. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm an aspiring clicky keyboardist. <laughs> yeah, that's where I was about, you know, like a week ago. <laughs> <laughs> a lot has changed. Yeah, those things were tanks. I just remember the ka-chink, ka-chink, ka-chink. Mm -hmm. um, well, let's see. I also use, I've got an iMac on my desk and that just uses the, the magic keyboard that came with it, which is fine. It's not my favorite Apple keyboard. I quite liked the previous wireless keyboard, which I still have one floating around somewhere, I think. Um, it had a little more key travel and I liked that the, uh, it had those half height, uh, cursor keys that made it much easier to sort of find your, uh, place on the keyboard. Um, I, I really like my MacBook Air's keyboard. Uh, that's sort of the MacBook Air. I think it's still the same one that it uses now. Um, you know, prior to the revamps in the recent Apple laptops, I actually think the MacBook key, uh, MacBook Air keyboard was pretty solid. Uh, I don't really go too much into third-party keyboards. Uh, I do have a uh, cheapo Bluetooth one that I know John got as well, which uh, for my iPad, which was fine, but worth pretty much exactly what I paid for it. Um, <laughs> right. I do like my sort of versatile uh, utility keyboard is a Logitech K811, which is a... Um, uh, Logitech Bluetooth keyboard that can pair with three different devices. So that's kind of my utility keyboard I keep around the house, can pair with an iPad or with my Mac mini server. And it's a, it's pretty pleasant. It's not terribly small or compact, um, but it's it's nice and has a nice feel to it. It lights up, has backlights, that kind of stuff. And and that's that's totally fine for me. I use that for taking notes sometimes on my iPad. But yeah, I, I, I do get a little picky about typing, but I, I have never been a huge clicky keyboard person. And I'm I feel like I'll save myself the money. <laughs> well, wish me luck. Um, I fully expect that I should. They'll be uh, like way steep in clicky keyboards by the next time I'm on the show. <laughs> oh. Well, well, we'll look forward to that. Um, but right now, that brings us to halftime, uh, and it's our first opportunity to tell you about this week's sponsors. This week's episode of Clockwise is brought to you by Booze Allen. 
Tell me if this sounds like you. You're more than just interested in digital technology. You're passionate about it. And you want to use your talents for a challenge you believe in, like moving business forward, advancing healthcare, and protecting those most vulnerable. You're all about solving problems. The more complex, the better. You think for yourself, but you know the best ideas happen when everyone has a seat at the table. Sound like you? Then you have a future at Booz Allen. Join a forward-looking team backed by a century of experience and fueled by collaboration. Booz Allen is looking for experts like digital technologists, cloud solution architects, and digital solutions developers to help make the world more connected, agile, efficient, and safe. Discover why Booz Allen says empower change with us. Visit boozallen.com slash clockwise. We'd like to thank Booz Allen for their support of this show. And that is the end of halftime, which brings us to Micah. What's your topic? My topic is all about Flickr. Uh, Flickr, which was part of the the <laughs> the uh, sinking ship that is Yahoo, uh, just got <laughs> scooped up by SmugMug, which is another sort of photo sharing, photo storage solution. Uh, so it's got me thinking about photo services. And I'm just curious, how do you store and share photos with friends and family? Tori, we'll start with you. Um, you know, I am sort of in between things right now. Um, I had a Flickr for a time. I've actually had multiple Flickr accounts because I'm super uh, fickle when it comes to that kind of thing. Um, and I sort of abandoned that. I had an Instagram for a while, abandoned that. I think that mostly now what I do is I am currently working on, because I take a lot of photos, um, I'm currently working on a portfolio website using Squarespace uh, that's under construction. But outside of that, I pretty much just store all of my photos on my iMac. Uh, and as for sharing, I if I want someone to see a photo, I'll send it to them. Um, but outside <laughs> of that, I'm not really huge on photo sharing platforms right at this moment. I, I used to be a Flickr user back in the early... I mean, I still am, but like I don't use it actively. And I used to... That used to be the place where I uploaded my photos and where I shared stuff. Um, and then it kind of fell out of favor and yeah, I don't uh, like Tori. I don't, I don't share that many photos. If I am going to post something, it's on Twitter or Instagram. Um, and even there, it's kind of few and far between. Uh, but I do archive all my photos on my Mac. They're all in photos in the iCloud photo library. Um, I, I've occasionally set stuff up in Dropbox, um, when I need to find a way to share photos with, uh, certainly more like less tech savvy uh, family members. You can kind of set up like a web gallery through Dropbox, which I find easy. But yeah, it's it's I feel like Instagram and Facebook have really conquered a lot of the photo sharing market. So it's going to be interesting to see what Flickr does to distinguish themselves from those. I hope it's something <laughs> because <laughs> I have, I used to be a, a big Flickr user and I was, I was like, I was funny because I was a pro user up until like a week before this acquisition. And I finally canceled my pro subscription. Um, and I would be happy to, to re up, um, if they, you know, make it interesting again. But the problem was, I, and I got into, tried to get into Flickr a little bit more again, but the, of course the problem is that because I, I became disenchanted with Instagram, um, mostly because originally, but mostly because the timeline is so goofed up because of their, you know, they use an algorithm instead of having a chronologically ordered timeline. And I just, just drives me berserk. And, and then also the, all this privacy stuff uh, with Facebook has made me leery of it as well. So the problem with Flickr, though, is that uh, there are some people I know who still post things there, but not very many. And so I would, you know, I, I have the app. It's, you know, on like the second page of my uh, my iPhone and I go and look at it 
frequently, but there's just not that much going on there right now. So hopefully that will change. As far as like storage and stuff like that, I mean, I'm I'm ridiculously old school. I I still actually back up my my pictures to a Mac to a physical computer, and and mostly just keep them in photos, and then back that up again too. So nothing nothing extravagant. So, but anyway, I really I would like to see uh, Flickr get back into the game. Yeah, uh, it's interesting. Smugmug, the CEO, was like, yeah, we bought this. We're really not sure what we're going to do. Um, <laughs> we do know that the way that we've run Smugmug is Pete, we listen to our customers and then uh, our users, rather, and then we go from there. And one thing that we can say is that we care more about user privacy than many of the other photo sharing services. And it was like, oh, called out. Um, but I... I I used to use Flickr uh, again ages ago, so to speak, and I posted a lot of graphic design stuff there, and ended up getting uh, published on different web magazines through it, and so it was a big deal for me at a at that period in time. But these days, um, I somehow achieved the insurmountable task of. Uh, getting my family up to speed on iCloud photo sharing library. I I don't know exactly what it's called, but basically where you can create these albums that show up on everybody's iPhone. And so when it comes to sort of sharing large amounts of photos with people, we just have these different albums that exist where we can uh, send those photos and they go down to everybody's phones and we'll treat it like a social network with comments and everything. Um, But yeah, for public sharing of photos, I just post them to Twitter or Instagram. Usually I just post them to Instagram and then I have an IFTTT thing set up that posts them to Twitter automatically. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens to Flickr. But uh, all those are good answers. Let's go ahead and move on to the last topic, which comes from Tori. All right. So recent, well, it was sort of recently, um, the Japanese camera company Yashika, I really hope that I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, I couldn't find a concrete answer. Uh, they launched an Indiegogo campaign for a camera called the digifilm camera that you essentially load fake film canisters into uh and then your digital photos will shoot like whatever film uh corresponds with the canister um and it's doing really awesome funding wise uh but then of course it's also really polarizing i think a lot of people think it's really unnecessary and dumb and a lot of people are crying hipster and all of this all of these <laughs> other things um and I was wondering if you think that it's silly and unnecessary or if you think it's cool and if it's something that you would use. Uh, this is not for me, but I, I, I applaud them for <laughs> for doing something kind of <laughs> weird. Um, I like the idea behind it. It seems cool. It looks like a nice, fo- a nice camera body. Um, but I, I just don't see a lot of people adopting this over their standard digital camera. I don't know what would the major advantage here. It seems, you know, kitschy and nostalgia oriented and all that. Um, and it, it's very clever, but it may be a little, as some people would say, twee with its um, <laughs> slavish uh, adherence to classic photo standards. So... Um, yeah, I don't think this is for me, but it does look cool. The pictures look kind of retro and nifty. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's a, it seems like a gimmick to me more than anything else. Uh, I just want to say that crying hipster is the name of my emo band. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I think I, I pretty much agree with Dan. I, I, I'm much more interested in the camera body than <laughs> the, um, the film cartridges, because that's the one thing I kind of miss from 
you know, the days of shooting, um, with a single lens reflex that I, you know, when I used to do that a long time ago, uh, is, is that feel of the camera in your hand. And for a long time, I had a digital camera that, um, was sort of a copy, like, like it was almost, it was, I don't think it was, it was, this was early in the days of the digital camera. So I don't think it was probably deliberate, but it seemed like it was almost deliberately large in trying to, uh, replicate that feel. Uh, but, um, I feel like this ship has kind of sailed in that most people take pictures with their phones and that this certainly isn't going to move that needle at all. Hmm. I like this idea. Um, I think that it is, it's, it's adorable. Um, and I don't mean that in the sort of pandering way. Like I really, I think it's like, it's a really adorable idea. And this, I, this sort of, let's step back, take a moment to think about things. Let's frame our shot. Um, I really think that is sort of the more important thing here where we do have, you know, people taking a thousand photos and finding the best selfie for them. And I can see some value to sort of uh, taking the time to step back. And I, yeah, this is definitely for a particular person that is not me. Um, But I, I, I think that it's a pretty cool idea to put these different settings inside of these canisters that then go into the camera. Um, so you can, I mean, cause people buy like presets, they buy filters on uh, different apps and to sort of make this a physical thing is just, it's just kind of fun. This tactile experience that maybe, I mean, photography, a large part of the hobby at least used to be the, again, yeah, buying the camera hardware and, and working in the uh, dark room and, you know, using all these different tools and different techniques and these chemicals and things like that. So uh, being able to bring some of that back in this increasingly digital world, uh, that's just so much, uh, so much <laughs> overbearing. Uh, I, I think that's a, a cool idea. So more of this, maybe, I think. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I think those are all really uh, valid answers, obviously. Um, I sort of selfishly picked this question because I find this sort of topic really fascinating. Um, Like, I personally, right now, I'm using, like, uh, VSCO's, they have a film pack, uh, multiple film packs that you can buy if you want that sort of feel. But also, I'm a person who really enjoys, like, ritual and routine. Um, So I find this really interesting because of basically what Micah said, taking the time, um, having to swap between cartridges, like you're putting film in a camera and things like that. Um, I, I... I feel like there's something there. There's something valuable in that specifically. But I also don't think that obviously this is going to replace anyone's favorite digital camera or their phone that they tend to reach for most of the time. So maybe we'll all be shooting with them next year. Hard to say. (laughs) Uh, Well, that is that is our last topic. We have just enough time for a bonus topic. This week's bonus topic is brought to you by our good friends at Linode. With Linode, you'll have access to a suite of powerful hosting options with prices starting at just $5 a month. And you'll be up and running with your own virtual server in the Linode cloud in under a minute. Whether you're just getting started with your first server or deploying a complex system, Linode is the right choice for you. Linode offers the fastest hardware and network with fantastic customer support behind it all. It's never been easier to launch a Linode cloud server. Linode guarantees 99.9% uptime for server availability. Once your server is up, they keep it that way. And Linode offers additional storage, too. Block storage is now out of beta and is available in Fremont and Newark. And Linode plans to expand their block storage to all data centers by June. Linode is great for plenty of tasks like hosting large databases, running a mail server, operating a VPN, running Docker containers, hosting a private Git server, and so much more. 
Oh, and Linode's hiring right now, too. If that interests you, just go to linode.com slash careers. Uh, as I mentioned up top, Linode has fantastic pricing options available. Their plans start at 1 gigabyte of RAM for only $5 a month, and they offer high-memory plans starting with 16 gigabytes of RAM. As a listener of this show, if you sign up at linode.com slash clockwise, you'll not only be supporting us, but you'll also get $20 towards any Linode plan. On the 1 gigabyte of RAM plan, that's four free months, and with a seven-day money-back guarantee, there's nothing to lose. So go to linode.com slash clockwise to learn more, sign up, and take advantage of that $20 credit, or use the promo code clockwise2018 at checkout. Thank you so much to Linode for supporting Clockwise and all of Relay FM. And the bonus question for you out there, what's your favorite fictional vehicle? John? I think I know what yours is. <laughs> That's not what <laughs> Although I I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I, I, I should write, I should have written it on an envelope and mailed it to myself, but... Um, <laughs> I am going to say, I, I, God, I, I, this is a hard question because I wanted to, originally I thought, oh, I should go with the Enterprise A, which was, I think was one of my, fa- my favorite like Enterprise design. But I think I'm going to go with the, the Space 1999 Eagle, even though you know, I'm much, obviously, I don't, I'm a much bigger Star Trek fan um, than a Space 1999 fan, which, you know, I mean, <laughs> was not a great show, really. But uh, I think the Eagle is one of the best designed spaceships uh that there ever was because it does a, such a great job of like being just slightly futuristic and still sort of looking like um reminiscent of uh, the you know moon landing vehicles that you know we all knew from the time so uh i think that one was really cool and i also spent a lot of time as a kid making those models so originally, I was going to choose the invisible boatmobile from SpongeBob, but John <laughs> made me realize that I could choose a ship. And so, hands down, it is Moya from Farscape because I like I dream that I am pilot sometimes, and it is just like the best life that I could ever live. Uh, being being one with Moya, that would be so fun. They cut pilot's arm off, though. Yeah, I would I would put up with that though to be like Moya's best bud. <laughs> I am I saying this because one I don't drive so I'm not letting this be sort of like oh practically what would I like to drive and also uh, I don't want to pretend that I'm cool um I <laughs> my favorite based on the joy that it brings me is uh I don't know if any of you guys have seen the terrible movie League of Extraordinary Gentlemen oh yes oh. um okay so I'm gonna go with Captain Nemo's uh like Nautilus car <laughs> um specifically because uh. whenever he introduces it to everyone he's like I call it an automobile and it's like the most it's like a 24 foot convertible it's like the most lavish ridiculous car i've ever even seen so that's my answer excellent well and probably not surprising john or anybody else out there i think the millennium falcon is probably my favorite yes. fictional vehicle uh Hold but on. i just need to yawn really quickly <laughs> oh, oh. my my second place one as i was thinking about this question in the first place were the hoverboards from back to the future Two. Because I oh. wanted one so badly when I was a kid. I see. I was. I thought I would picked uh, Millennium Falcon for you, but I was wondering it might be the Defiant. The Defiant is a is a good one too. That's one of my other favorite yeah. spaceships. That's my my Mac Mini server is named Defiant. Um. Well, thank you all. <laughs> for your input on that that brings us to the end of the show all that remains is to thank our fantastic guests john maltz thanks so much for being here thank you for having me and tori folk thank you so much for being here thank you so much for having me on and micah it's time for us to jump to light speed <laughs> so until next week let's remind all of you out there watch what you say and keep watching the clock bye everybody <laughs>